George Lynch. Two seconds, one second, Kobe pump fake, Kobe for the win! Kobe the dagger! <laughs> one, two. He loops out the left field, going to be a tough play. Jeter on the run, makes the play! Wow. And flies into the stands! Oh, what a play by Derek Jeter! Roethlisberger, has time, throws to the back of the end zone, and it is This is the Personal File Podcast, back for another show on deck here. I'm your host, Colton Gesser. Got a recurring guest on the show this week, all the way back when this puppy first started off and got our wheels going, Andrew Bogus from the DA Show um, on CBS Sports. You'll hear him also noon hour for the updates for WFAN. What's up, Andrew, man? Long time no talk here. It has been. Uh, thanks for having me back, and I'm glad my first visit didn't sabotage the show and you've chugged along and survived <laughs> that, so hopefully we'll do okay with number two as well. No, I had a great time uh, first time we did it, and I'm glad you were able to come back on. And, you know, you wanted to come back on, which was always uh, awesome. No, again, it's my, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me back. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do it again for sure down the road as well. Absolutely. Always love talking to you. So we'll get right into the things here. Uh, football season just ended up. J.J. Watt, stunning news after we thought K.J. Watt was going to Cleveland, <laughs> Buffalo, or Green Bay. He, spul- he pulls a stunner here and goes to Arizona. Um, there's your big first free agency news. So what were your thoughts on that before we get into your thoughts on the Super Bowl? Well, first of all, I was just kind of mad at the whole thing yesterday. You mentioned WFAN. I'm also on the air uh, on 880 WCBS in New York plus CBS Sports Radio. And this all was going down, like, you know, this, like in a three-hour window, we had the K.J. Watt Peloton update. Everyone thought that that was J.J., you know, hinting at where he might be going or just messing with us. Then he comes on and says, I don't even have a bike, so that's not me. Don't worry about it. So I wrote, um, I'm sure you've heard you know, the CBS Sports Minutes as well. I do one of those a day. And the first one I did, I did one version based on like the idiocy and, and, and the lunacy of us having to check Peloton for updates on where a guy might go. Then I had to change it to say, oh, no, never mind. There is no Peloton now involved in this. <laughs> and then I had to change it again because he signed with the Cardinals out of nowhere. So it was, uh, I was mad that that whole thing had happened while I was on the clock. It's really good. I know it sounds bad, but I like when breaking news happens when I'm done so I don't have to worry about it, track it. I can reassess it in the morning. But um, that certainly came out of nowhere. I mean, I, I would have never guessed Arizona. All those the teams we heard to begin with made the most sense because – they all got them closer to the Super Bowl, whether it's Green Bay or Indy or Buffalo. Those are just better teams and better situations than the Cardinals right now. So I'm surprised he made this as difficult as he kind of did. I mean, that's a good team. They have a chance to get even better, obviously, as they get another year under Kyler Murray and, and Cliff Kingsbury. But, I mean, there were better paths to a Super Bowl that were out there for him. And apparently it wasn't even like the Cardinals were offering the most money. There were other teams wanting to give him more. So – um, definitely a peculiar choice, and we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely interesting. You heard the Colts, Browns were kind of rumors of throwing more money out. You would yeah. think Indy's a must there, bringing in a quarterback play with Carson Wentz, coming in and trade, you know, spicing up that offense there, uh, you know, and adding to a fantastic defense there with J.J., and he gets to go after his Texans. You thought it was kind of match me and Evan. Instead, he goes and joins up with his buddy, DeAndre Hopkins, and joins Arizona with a curveball everyone did not see coming down the plate. Um, going on to the Super Bowl, I want to hear your thoughts on that. I kind of expected it. All the money was kind of leaning towards the spread. Clue was leaning towards Kansas City. I thought it was pretty easy money hanging there with minus six, or uh, I think it was minus six for Kansas City. I thought it was very easy for 
the Bucks. I thought it was very easy for the Bucks with the offensive line problems for Kansas City. Kansas City didn't have any issues all season and figured the biggest game of the season. They have the injuries and the problems. You got guys coming back from COVID. Could have been a big disaster with that haircut situation. Could have been a huge problem for the Chiefs. But what are your thoughts on the Super Bowl before we get into everything else here? I mean, first of all, I can't believe it's been basically a month since that game. And I still, in a month, I can't believe that the Chiefs didn't have a better plan and then a better adjustment in the game for their offensive line issues. I mean, there was no doubting that was going to be a factor in the game, and it was obviously no secret. But I gave Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy apparently too much credit. I, I thought they'd have ways to protect Patrick Mahomes, move him around, run different things, have different schemes. But they left their offensive line basically on an island, compromised, and did nothing during the game to make an adjustment to fix all these issues. I mean, it just... It was old-school, confusing Philadelphia Eagle Andy Reid head coach. I, I thought they'd have – that's two really smart guys. I thought they'd have a way to at least come close to neutralizing that disadvantage. They never did, and all credit to the Bucks for pouncing and never taking their foot off the Chiefs' throat because, I mean, we've seen this Kansas City team. Almost no hole is too big for them. Just go back to the previous postseason, multiple touchdown, multiple hole deficits, and they've survived two of them. So the whole game, I'm just I'm waiting still for this chief rally, one little push, and it never really came. Tampa never let it happen, and a very deserved title for them. Although if you're like me and a petty Tom Brady hater, it wasn't the best uh, of Sundays for you. Yeah, definitely watching that game. You know, they just dominated that game. There was no point. It was like, oh boy, here comes Kansas. There was not a point. I'm sitting. There, I'm like, this game's over. I forget. It was like uh, one of their fourth downs. I think they won for it. I'm like, that's the ball game right there. Yeah. You can't settle for field goals. You got down there so many times, and it was close, and just couldn't get home. And I was shocked. No tight end sitting there in the second half trying to chip at least Kelsey nothing. staying home. Maybe nothing. And it was just kind of what I expected. Like I said, people were, you know, still tossing money on KC, and I'm sitting. There, I'm like, this is gonna be huge. The front is going to be a problem. Shaq Barrett woke up the week before, clearly two weeks before, but he woke up, three sacks. I'm like, this is going to be a problem. I said that was going to be Green Bay's demise with Bakhtiari getting hurt, and that found out to be a problem, and it just showed up in the KC game, and it just was a disaster. But you still would – I mean, I, I can't – certainly the Bucks winning the game was, was on the table. This is not a shocking upset. I think the way the game played out is where the shockers. I, I, I could not have foreseen a scenario going into that game – where they'd only score nine points. I mean, that just didn't seem physically possible for that offense. That it just takes one play with Tyreek Hill or Kelsey or anybody else to stumble into a touchdown. And it just was never, ever there. It's just, I, I didn't think they could lose the way that they did. They picked the, I think Andy Reid said this after the game, they picked the worst time to have their worst game. And it couldn't have come on a bigger stage. And it gets Tom Brady another Super Bowl. Absolutely. The GOAT gets another one. And uh, one of the best parts of the Super Bowl is seeing him uh, trashed after the <laughs> after their little parade on the water, man. That was that was picturesque in there, and that's something we'll never forget. But going on a little change here to what's present, we're in March now, folks. March Madness is upon us, and I, I'm pumped and ready for it. We didn't get it last year, so all the better this year. A lot of excitement in the top. Gonzaga still holding the one spot. A little movement with Michigan sliding up to two, who, in my opinion, again, I'm a Michigan fan. This is going to sound like a homer pick. I believe they're the best team in the nation in the best conference. Uh, Baylor slides a three. Um, a little change there up front. What are your thoughts on, so far, the top teams here in the country? I mean, it's been a very interesting season for a lot of reasons, and it was hard, i got to be honest. I mean, and I, I love college basketball. I, I talked about this last week. 
it's been hard for me to like sit down and really dive deep into the bubble as crazy the bubble is this year with with teams that are not normally on the bubble on the bubble Michigan State Duke Indiana I mean you pick your kind of historical program Syracuse North Carolina all sitting there in spots where they not normally are but I just it's been so weird and so hard to figure out who's good and who's bad and you know like Baylor right now I, I love Michigan too. I grew up in the Fab Five. I mean, I wanted to be Jalen Rose. I wanted to be Chris Webber. I had the Air Harachi Nikes that those guys wore. Like, I love the Fab Five. So I love Michigan basketball still. And it's crazy that Juwan Howard is now the coach doing this great of a job. But I think Baylor is better than them. I think Gonzaga is better than them. But like, Baylor's in this limbo now because they didn't play for two plus weeks. And they come back and they fight off one game and then they lose to Kansas. So, like, it's just hard to figure out where teams are. I'm in in a 10 country, so to speak here in New York, following Fordham basketball doesn't matter for them, but St. Louis in the a 10 St. Louis is a really good team, but they had their season compromised by a long stretch of no games. So it's been hard to kind of figure out who's good and who's not because some teams have played nonstop. Others have been on and off the court and it's just, it just messes you up. You can't come back quickly from being off the floor for that long. But here we are. It's March 2nd. We're almost at 68. And we're going to have, I think, a really, really fun tournament. It might be confusing. It might be more annoying than normal because you might think somebody is not going to win and they're going to get to the Sweet 16 or vice versa. Um, but there's a lot of good teams out there that I want to. Ho- I hope we don't get into a compromised tournament where we lose one or two significant teams here along the way because of COVID. But um, unfortunately, that's possible. But I think hopefully it'll work out well and we'll have a lot of good basketball because we need it and we miss it because last year was just weird without the tourney absolutely you know uh going in everything is indianapolis there so i I I love that by the way i don't i I don't know if there's a way that they would ever do this but the idea where you could in a in a healthy world so to speak just park your butt in indiana for a month and travel around and see these i I think it's actually a wonderful idea instead of going all the way around the country to different places I don't think they would ever not spread it out again, but I think this is a fantastic setup. If it, I just wish it didn't come from why it had to be set up this way. Yeah, I think the setup sets up for hopefully some positive thinking here. Figure all the bubble situations we saw. Figure hockey had their bubble. Clearly, the Orlando bubble is very different than this. But the fact that these guys are going from hotel to court and probably back to hotel limiting their distance and who they're interacting with, I think leads for hopefully success. We need it. Um, My thoughts here on the Big Ten, I think the Big Ten is the best conference in basketball. I think Michigan has planted themselves as, again, my opinion, the best team in basketball coming off a two-week COVID break, which wasn't even their fault. It was in their program. Yeah, it was in the the building in general. It wasn't affecting the basketball players, but – you know, Michigan very serious on the matter, and they shut that down. Michigan comes off their two-week break. They look rusty against Wisconsin the first half. Flip a switch. They're like, all right, we never had to play basketball. And they throttle Wisconsin, um, beating them by eight in the second half. Then they throttle Iowa this week. They pull out a nice win against Ohio State. I, I know you differ from me. I, you do believe Baylor's better. I believe Michigan is the best team in the nation. The resume proves otherwise. Um I need to see a little bit from Gonzaga. You know, they played some good teams. They played them early on. They got their wins early on. Um, I want to see a little bit more from Gonzaga. I, again, sure, sounds like a homer pick. I do believe Michigan's the best team in the nation. Hunter Dickinson is one of the best players I've seen in a very long time, which makes me pumped for next season with the number one recruiting class for Juwan Howard and the Michigan Wolverines. 
Franz Wagner's figuring it out the past few games, dominating over 20 points the past two against Ohio State and Iowa. Uh, Mike Smith coming in from Columbia has played great basketball. Um, Michigan's legit. Ohio State had a little stumble here this week, losing to Iowa badly, losing to Michigan. Iowa had bounces back, nice win against the Buckeyes. And as you said, Michigan State starting to get some traction. They got a nice win, I believe, against Ohio State. It's actually three in a row, excuse me, for Ohio State, not two. Um, just remember, Michigan State beat them. Um, what are your thoughts on the Big Ten? Rutgers having a nice, you know, bounce back season here, you know, uh, yeah. fighting their way Although through. Although they did it on the chin last night in Nebraska, which is, uh, you know, people care about Rutgers here in the New York area when Rutgers is playing well. So they had a lot of juice, a lot of love early in the year. They've been a little bit of a struggle here in the back end of things. Uh, but they're probably okay if they win, which I think is Minnesota. If they win their yeah. next game, I think their computer numbers are going to be too much, to, too good to overlook when it comes to an, app, uh, an at-large selection. I mean, I, I can't argue with the Big Ten being the best conference in America. I mean, there's just no two ways about it. And I think going back to Michigan versus Baylor versus Gonzaga, I think all things considered, those three are by themselves. We can differ on how you line up the three, but I think the list starts with them, and then there's a little bit of space, and then all of a sudden you're in that, that realm of Illinois and Iowa. Um, I, you know, Kansas to me is the, is the interesting outlier here because they had – one little rough stretch, fell out of the top 25 for the first time in forever. And now I think they've reeled off six out of seven or seven out of eight, and they're slowly moving their way back in. And I just like the idea of them peaking at the right time. So there's, those, there's that group, but that, they certainly trail those top three. And your point about Michigan coming back the way they did off their COVID break might be the thing that makes them the number one team in the country because they probably have returned from this break better than anybody else returned from their break coming in almost not missing a beat and picking off another, you know, string of good big 10 schools. Um, but I'm with you just in general. I, I just, I like college basketball better when Michigan is involved. I was at the final four um, when Trey Burke did not commit a foul. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm with you on the Wolverines love and I hope they're playing real deep into this 22. I can't wait. Hopefully they uh, prove me uh, correct here instead of me going back and, oh, yeah, what happened in Michigan? So hopefully hey, they prove me Michigan right. Michigan-Gonzaga game, somewhere along oh. the way here, whatever round it might be in, um, this tournament's a win, I think, in general, no matter what, if we get those two teams playing somewhere. Oh, I would love to see that. You know, I think the Big Ten makes a big statement in this tournament, or they get bounced, you know, we'll see some of that. Going into the local hoops here, uh, NBA-wise, Brooklyn. I mean, that is something to just drop your jaw about. Durant's been out for the past, what, like six, seven games? Might be more than that. And Harden, absolutely going crazy. I don't know if you heard today. I actually called in with uh, Moose and Maggie pretty much right after your update, actually, and went crazy on the Harden talk. They were talking about James Harden. Want to hear your thoughts on it, about the way he handled things in Houston. Um, My thoughts on the matter, it reminded me of Anthony Davis. Um, Again, a Lakers fan here, wearing my Lakers shirt now. the way they way AD handled it wasn't professional either. You know, again, he put his time in, and it got to a point he's aggravated. They didn't put anything around him. The Drew Holiday thing didn't work in New Orleans, and it got to a point he, they weren't doing anything. The Cousins Rondo thing worked. They, you know, they pulled an upset up in the first round, and that was kind of it. You know, they settled in. That's what you expected from New Orleans. He wanted out of town, and he played the "I'm not playing" card. He wore the "That's All Folks" shirt, and. Uh, he yeah. wanted out, and it's kind of a Harden pulled in Houston, so I'm kind of annoyed with the way people are handing uh, Harden this rap sheet here, the way he handled short. It wasn't the best. I get it. It was a bad look because Houston gave everything for him, put Chris Paul around him, brought his buddy in Russell Westbrook. They built around him. It was his team. They did what they, you know, what he wanted. 
It was the way he showed up for practice, showing up for planes. It was his show, and it didn't work out, and he wanted out. And sure, it's a bad look for him. I don't know what your thoughts are on what Harden pulled. So it, this is, I mean, this is a multi-layered conversation. As you know, there's a lot of things going on here. I have a lot of forgiveness and a lot of room for these guys kind of calling their own shots. I mean, going back to, Le, you know, LeBron moving around, I, I didn't care that KD became a warrior. Like this is their life. This is their career. And like in a normal circumstance, we would never tell someone to not do what they wanted to do or not to take a better job or not to make something easier for yourself. Now, if you choose to go the other way, that's fine too. But I don't think it's wrong for Kevin Durant to go, I only have X amount of years to be an NBA champion. It's not working here. I'm going to go somewhere else. And oh, the Warriors want me. Okay, fine. LeBron leaving Cleveland the first time didn't bother me. Anthony Davis, James Harden, I'm, I'm okay with you not wanting to be in a situation anymore. And I know that there are contracts, but contracts also are two-way agreements. And sometimes the other guy, the owner, the team does things that kind of hampers that agreement. And you're allowed to go, hey, this is not what I signed up for. And let's think about maybe going our separate ways. But I think the way you handle that is then the issue. And it wasn't great for Anthony Davis. I do think Harden, and I wrote actually good timing. This is what I did my CBS Sports Minute on today because Harden was so good last night in San Antonio. I, it was to me next level tanking to get himself out of Houston. I mean, he basically didn't kind of care about what the COVID rules were at a restaurant, at parties. He may or may not have been out of shape when he came late to training camp. And as you said, they did a lot of things for him and he very quickly acted as if they had done nothing for him. But then we get back to what is real about this is once you get to a point and Andre Drummond's living this now, uh, other guy and Blake Griffin, once you get to a point where you go, okay, we're going to separate here somehow, it makes sense for these guys not to play because you can't have Andre Drummond tear his ACL or James Harden hurt a shoulder, hurt whatever, while you're trying to trade him. So I know it's weird, but this is best for everybody. Like you sit down, let's protect you. We'll trade you. Your value stays the same. Everybody wins. So again, it's okay to want out. It's not okay sometimes the way they handle it. But now we get hardened to where he is in Brooklyn. And I just, I don't, I don't get this anymore. I can't believe that this guy has bought in the way he is. I can't believe that Kyrie Irving was like, yeah, I'm cool. I'll go play shooting guard. No worries. Now, we don't know what really they are, all three of them together, because they've only played a handful of games all at the same time between Kyrie being gone and Durant's injury. So we still have not seen them all together for a long stretch. We've also still not really seen them in a high-pressure, big-money situation. They might not care now who takes the most shots or the last shot, but if we're talking now game four, game five, game six, you know, round two against the Sixers, against the Bucks, who's taking the last shot, maybe then there is some tension. Maybe that's when we really see if they've actually all bought into this. But right now, aside from what they don't do on defense – uh, I mean, they're, they're scary good. They're, to me, they're the best team in the East. It's not the Sixers, even though they have slightly better record than them. It's not Milwaukee yet. I don't know what's wrong with Boston. Um, you know, the Nets are the team to beat, especially if these glimpses of them playing good enough defense get longer and more consistent because the way they play on offense, I, I don't know who can beat them in the East right now four times in seven games. Yeah, I don't think it's close either. I think Brooklyn stands on top, and it's like, sure, the Sixers are there. There's rumors of them going out and get Kyle Lowry, possibly a little reunion there. He comes back to yeah. Philly, um, the Wildcat from Villanova. So, that, you know, that's a little interesting there also. 
I, I, I agree with you. I think they're the best team. I, they might be the best team in the league, honestly. I know Utah has something to say about that. Um, the way they're playing out there, we'll get to them in a little bit here. Um, but, man, the East is – the interesting East, and I call it the Wild West here. That's kind of what I'm rolling with here the past few shows. I've talked hoops. Um, the East is definitely interesting here. Philly up top. Joel Embiid having an MVP season. Um, I have to agree with you, though. Brooklyn, it's it's different. I didn't expect this to happen. Um, and it's one of those things where I've heard like talks and I've kind of thought of it myself. Then I backtrack on I'm thinking back to the Clippers last season where Kawhi and Paul George, they all those guys weren't on the floor. It wasn't never like a healthy roster in uh, yeah. L.A. with the Clippers. And it was like they never got the gel. You never saw what they were like together. Um, it kind of makes you think maybe is that what it's going to be like here in Brooklyn. But I don't see it that way at all. I think these guys are kind of all bought into their roles here. And when KD comes back, you know he's the alpha in this team here. Slide away, let him do his thing. But he's not even just the alpha. He's very just, you know, uh, passing the ball off, letting Harden, Kyrie, Joe Harris get theirs. And uh, this team is crazy to watch. And I've watched a few games, and they're just must-watch television. Yeah, and, like, the what what's setting up nicely for them is it almost looks that like they only need two of the three guys out there to be – as good as they need to be, which is helpful because, and I don't, I don't say this lightly, but you know, Kyrie is Kyrie and he could just decide he doesn't want to play again anymore. And like things can just change chemistry wise. So like he's, he's a unique question mark in the NBA, you know, guys have injury issues, whatever, but like, I, I just, Kyrie's a wild card because he is who he is and he deals with whatever he's dealing with. So like, there's always that, but if Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni, the rest of that staff can keep going and these guys, you know, find their, cause they are, I think as confident as they are and as cocky as they are, they also realize that they're not babies anymore. Um, they also, you know, KD can leave soon. Harden can leave. Like they need to get paid again as well. So like there's an expiration date on this. So at least for now, they all seem willing to put things aside to be a good threesome, not three individuals. And if this continues this way, again, it's going to be really, really tough to keep them out of the finals. Yeah, I think it's going to be hard to keep them out of the finals for sure. Um, heading out to the other New York team, we're going to stay local here, the Knicks. Thibodeau's got them playing well. Julius Randle getting the credit he deserves as an all-star this season. Um, absolutely showing out, former Laker, former Pelican, just showing out this season for the Knicks. Thibodeau's got them playing extremely well. What are your thoughts on the Knicks this season? RJ Barrett even playing really well for them as well. Yeah, I mean, I was I was a bad I'm a bad New Yorker. I've never been a Knicks fan. I liked Jordan the Bulls growing up, so I was like definitely a traitor. <laughs> I love those early Kenny Anderson, Derek Coleman, Drazen Petrovic uh, Nets teams. I liked I worked for the Nets when they made the finals in the Jason Kidd era. So like I, I don't say this from a from a personal excitement standpoint like I would if you know the Mets figure things out. Uh, but this is a really, really much needed story here in New York because the Knicks, I mean, it's been decades. They've been terrible for that long. It's been decades where they have been irrelevant and they're definitely relevant right now. I don't know that they stay the four seed in the East for the rest of the way because I, you know, Miami has figured things out to a certain extent now. I, I have to believe that Boston will get better. I would have to believe that Toronto will get better and they're all kind of bunched together right now. But this is a heck of a story and Tom Thibodeau is probably – the Eastern Conference Coach of the Year, if not the entire league, because I don't know how you deal with Quinn Snyder's team being whatever they are, 28-7 and seven or 27-8. and eight. So, But it's mean they play defense. So on top of that, the Julius Randle thing, I, the hardest thing for me in a, for a coach to do is to make professionals play defense. And he's made them play defense. And then Randle got his, his you-know-what in shape. 
and is having a career year. And they're legit. I mean, they, again, they might not stay where they are now. They might not get five, 10 games over 500, but this is a good basketball team. I think enough to maybe make somebody sweat in, in round one because they've got, you think by that point, the younger guys now will figure things out. They lose that kind of rookie-ness about them, a little more polish. And in theory, they should be even better down the road. So they've made themselves into a pesky team that is at least part of the conversation in the Eastern Conference, which has not been the case for a, a really long time. A really long time and without any major stars. You know, there's it's a, it's a gritty team. It's literally a tough team. And like you said, they're going to give someone a problem. It kind of reminds me of Brooklyn last season with – you know, uh, Russell and all those guys. Uh, no, who the heck was on the team last year? They had uh, some major injuries on the roster last season where they just gritted it out and played some tough games in that first round. I'm trying to think who the major injury was. Didn't Brooklyn have a big injury last year? Oh, Durant and stuff was out. That's correct. Well, I don't yeah, know no Durant last year, no Kyrie late. Yes, so they had, yeah. you know, his Dinwiddie leading the way and stuff like yep. that. Yeah, that's all right. See, all right, I'm out here uh, thinking three years ago and they went to Philly and gave Philly a fit with Russell and those guys. But the same thing last season. Great team in New York and another one here. And it's kind of the opposite. You, the glamour and the glare is in Brooklyn and the gritties and the Knicks. So crazy. Yeah. We're going to head out to the Wild West now. You just talked about Quinn Snyder and the Utah Jazz. Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, again, getting the disrespect. He was out for, I think, five or six games, which might have also hurt his all-star bid. But Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, those guys having a fantastic season. Utah Jazz, number one. What are your thoughts on the Jazz so far? I mean, I don't know. And this is not a knock. I don't know how good they can be over what is 72 games this year. I don't know what they are in a, in a seven-game series. But, I mean, they're fun to watch right now. I love that. You know, Donovan Mitchell, there's no – the guy's a superstar. But, like, he's also not the front-line need shots, volume shooter. Like, he just kind of fits into the situation. So it feels like he's not a superstar. Like he's not a number one guy. But he's definitely number one guy. But they still have – this great supporting cast. You mentioned Conley much better in year two than in year one there. Rudy Gobert's a double-double machine. And they've got my favorite player in the NBA, Joe Ingles. I mean, the guy looks nothing sure. like a professional basketball player and still somehow goes out there, scores points, rebounds. I love guys that are tall that can dribble and pass, and he can do that. Plus, he's lefty. Plus, he's got an accent. I don't know what's not to like about Joe Ingles. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a great roster. And Jordan Clarkson is the sixth man of the year out and just you know can score basically at will off the bench. It's built well. Um, you know, they, they don't have Boyanovich anymore, and they've been okay without, with that, with, without him going to Atlanta. I mean, it's just been I'm, – I'm confusing my Bogdanoviches now. Yes, but, they've, but, there's, okay. but there's a different there's a different feel about them than last year when they were still a good team. Um, I, my fear for them is that they're not going to get as far in the postseason as their seed says they should. And it's going to change the story of this of their entire campaign. But this is just fun to watch. I mean, they hit a ton of threes. They score a bunch of points. They've got great unis. Um, and they've got, you know, Mitchell is a, a blossoming star leading the way. I mean, it's just, it's super, super fun. But it's hard for me to not pick LeBron and the Lakers, assuming they're full strength when we get to the end of all this. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that I look back and I look at the Raptors team in you know, going back with uh, Dwayne Casey a few years back, um, number one seed. Same thing with the Atlanta Hawks um, with, um, oh, my gosh, Budenholzer there when he was the head coach there. It just reminds me of those teams. It's like they're there. Yeah, look, number one seed, you know, look at the record. And it's like, oh, man, they should make a run, and they don't. You know, it's one of those things like they're good. They got a lot of talent, so they might not be as bad as a case as those Raptor teams and the Hawk teams I just mentioned, 
they, I think, can make some noise, but not enough noise like you just said with the Lakers. I think a healthy Lakers roster here. Um, you know, people were starting to jump off the wagon with Schroeder and Anthony Davis out. Schroeder gets inserted back in the lineup, and they look like the number one team in the West again. Um, even without Anthony Davis, Schroeder fits back in. Getting his role done again, you know, defensively and offensively getting the buckets. Montrez Harrell's trying to figure it out past few games. Kyle Kuzma buying into his role with the Lakers. I'm a big Kuzma guy um, out of Utah. So, yeah, I, I think the Lakers are the best team in the West um, when it all said and done here. What about the Clippers? Another surprising team here. Ty Lue takes over instead of Doc Rivers. Do you think they got the right coach where, you, you know, they bought in, Paul George is healthy and looks really good when he's back? What are your thoughts on the Clippers here? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just another weird conversation. It's, it's similar but different to the one about them last year that you mentioned because we never, like, we never got them at full strength for a long stretch, and then they completely flamed out of the bubble. And they made a change that I didn't necessarily agree with. I thought maybe they did kind of run their course with, under Doc Rivers. But then they go to Ty Lue, and I just I don't know what you're supposed to think about Ty Lue because – and I, you know, this is, it sounds like a knock. I don't think it is. I think it's just reality. You know, I, I what is Ty Lue without LeBron? And I don't like, not like in a dismissive way, but like no, everybody's a better coach when you're coaching LeBron, just like you can't take that much away from Phil Jackson, but when you're coaching Jordan and Pippen and then Shaq and Kobe, like the, the, the job that Phil did was making all of that work. Because when he couldn't figure out the right ways to do it, it was disgusting and ugly and a train wreck. So, like, the fact that he kept both of those different teams together for multiple years shows you where his value was. I, I don't know where Ty Lue is on that spectrum just yet. Now, they did obviously make some roster changes. Guys that didn't want to be there anymore are gone. They've got different guys in now. Uh, I think they're in the mix possibly for Kyle Lowry, who you mentioned too. I don't know how they would do it money-wise and whatnot, but I think they're a guy that could – that's a guy that they could absolutely need and then change the dynamic of of this race right now. So it just – it sounds like a cop. That sounds like the easy answer, but I, I just think the Lakers are better than them. I think the Lakers are better than everybody in the West. Again, assuming everyone is healthy, it's LeBron, it's Davis, it's Schroeder, and all the guys you mentioned – so the Clippers are there. I thought they were the better team on paper last year up against LA. The Lakers, we never see that. We'll see it this year as well. Um, but they're at least, it's hard to pick against them because they've got Kawhi and Paul George, but they don't have LeBron. And I think that ends up being the difference when we get to the, into the postseason. Yeah, I think it all pretty much relies on how healthy is Anthony Davis. You know, the Lakers are being extra cautious with them. Um, I mean, and why not? Because it doesn't yeah. nothing. Almost nothing matters. I mean, even I don't even think home court matters. Not that they're in danger of not being a top four seed, but if you had to punt on the back half of the season to protect Anthony Davis and rest LeBron, I wouldn't argue against that. Because I just want you to be in and at full strength. Um, and when and when LeBron's team is there, full strength, he very rarely loses before the finals. Which again, it's just it's unbelievable to me that that dude is thirty six years old. He has been playing for forever. I mean, he's probably, what, like 45 in basketball years? It's, and it's he's playing a ton of minutes, led the league in assists a couple of years ago, still scores a ton of points, is not slowing down at all. I mean, he's not even the number two Laker right now. He's the number one Laker still at 36. I mean, it's just – it's craziness how good and impactful he still is that we're still saying sentences like, as long as LeBron is okay – 
the Lakers are okay. Like he's still the guy carrying all of that at 36 with all of those miles on his legs. It's, it's definitely crazy. You know, uh, <laughs> like you said, when he's healthy, that train's going to go wherever he goes. You could put him in Sacramento right yeah. now. There'll be a final team. You know, you could put him wherever and he'll make that team special. It's a LeBron I mean, effect. It, it was a long time ago, but that, that first Cleveland team that he took to the finals that lost to the Spurs in four games. I mean, that's one of the greatest feats in NBA history, getting that team through three rounds and then in the finals, the other guys on that team, um, especially guys like four through 12 on that roster, I mean, it's nuts, and he did it, and nobody else did. Not that they couldn't do it, but no one else did it. He did it that year, and then, you know, we, we know the rest a, a long way from now. And again, I, I, would, I would be surprised if he wasn't there with his buddies again at the end this year. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you on that. And just the fact that look what he did against that Golden State team. If the J.R. Smith thing doesn't happen, and again, J.R. Smith thing got so blown out of the water before we wrap this show up. Because I've always talked about this when we're like, ah, JR, like the memes you always see. It's like, I was thinking there, I'm like, if the officials just made their correct call, we wouldn't have the JR thing. That was a charge that LeBron took on, I believe it was Durant. And that changed the game. They would have stole game one against that team. And LeBron shouldn't have been there with that team that he had again. It was one of those things. I believe that was a series with no Kevin Love. And I believe Kyrie was hurt. I believe that was that finals. And it's one of those things, LeBron would have stole game one against that Warriors team with Durant if the officials just made the correct call. I believe the officials got bailed out in that game with the J.R. Smith uh, debacle. And I'll sit there and watch watch that play at the end with Durant and LeBron, and they called the charge, and there was nothing there where it was like, I got to change this call. You got to stick with the call on the floor. It's like football. It's inconclusive. You got to stick with it. And they didn't. I'm sitting there, I'm like, I've never been in a hotel room in Disney. I'm like watching this. I'm like, they just blew this game. And then J.R. Smith happened. I'm like, I told my girlfriend, I'm like, that's it. You will never remember this game as the blown call by the officials. You'll remember it as the J.R. Smith game. And that's how yeah. it's going to go down. It's And the picture that we'll never forget that goes down in NBA history. But, yeah, I mean, like – and I know people like to point to the finals that LeBron didn't win. But, A, he was in the finals again to lose it. And, B – um, there were times where things were not – the universe was not taking care of him, keeping guys healthy and keeping some calls going in their direction. But, um, I mean, I just – again, it's remarkable that the guy is still so impactful and that we are hopefully headed for another ridiculous playoff run from him and from what's really – the league in general is in a really good space right now. There's so many good individual players and so many compelling teams right now and storylines. Um, as long as they can, can figure out a way to be safe through all this COVID and figure out their schedule and get everybody, you know, 272 games and through the playoffs without a bubble, uh, it should be another fun run to the end. Absolutely. A bunch of young talent, a bunch of young stars. I was even saying today, again, you get to sit here and talk basketball all day. See, this is where we have to have you back on. We talk some baseball once baseball heats up. Talk about the Mets, Yankees. Um, just, I'm thinking about the Hornets today. Charlotte, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, my gosh, LaMelo Ball. Hal Burton in freaking Sacramento. I'm sitting like, God, if if all the guards they have there in Charlotte, if they just got a big, if they got uh, Blake Griffin or Andre Drummond in the buyout market, that'd be crazy to think what that team could be. You know, they're missing that big. P.J. Washington had a game the other night for Charlotte. Um, you know, they're just missing that guy underneath. I think that team could be really scary. But, Andrew, I know you're a busy guy, and this is uh, definitely another great show, so I don't want to keep you uh, hanging around here. 
Uh, no, listen, it's, uh, it's always great talking to you. Next time I come back, I'll have my Bogdanoviches and Boyanoviches straight, <laughs> who's playing where and who went where. Um, and, and yeah, baseball, I was watching the Mets this afternoon, which is crazy in and of itself that we're almost at opening day for baseball. No, we got to have you back soon. We got to talk about the Mets, you know, Lindor, Carrasco there, the, the change in scenery for the Mets from all of a sudden we're going to uh, shop at the, you know, small section that we're going gourmet, as uh, I think Mark Moses <laughs> likes to say. So got to go big now. But uh, you can find Andrew Bogus on DA show. You hear him on noon hour on WFAN with sports updates. Um, you can find him on Twitter at Andrew Bogus. Um, again, Andrew, appreciate you coming on. No, thanks for thanks for having me back again, and we're looking forward to the next time. Oh, absolutely. You can uh, follow the Personal File Podcast on Twitter at Founderscore Podcast. Find all the future shows uh, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, wherever you get your shows, we're there. Looking for exciting shows, possibly Rocky Blyer, Craig Carton in the near future, working on some things. So hopefully we can pull those out for you folks. And that's a wrap.